The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Kenzie from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram and it's just at Kenzie Elizabeth, I release new episodes every Thursday. So hope to see you there. Hey guys, it's Gobby and welcome to What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gobby. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a best-selling author and now a podcast host. What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Can we believe that it's September tomorrow? Like, what is even happening? I don't even understand. I guess time doesn't exist anymore. Anyways, I have a very special guest on the podcast today. You might know her from her roaring success of an Instagram or her brand new cookbook, but I want to introduce you to one of my girlfriends, Diala. Her new book's called Diala's Kitchen, and she is just an absolute gem. She has lived in some of my favorite cities in the world, including Mexico City, Quebec, Toronto. She grew up in the Dominican. Her flavor profiles when she's cooking are out of this world amazing. You're going to hear us talk about all the inspiration for her Instagram, for her blog. I can't wait till we actually get to travel together and go eat all the food and explore all the markets. You guys are going to love her. Please put your hands together for Diala. Hi, I'm so happy to have you here and seeing your face on Zoom rather than just Insta stories. Happy like a couple of weeks after your book launch. Yes, I am. I'm thrilled. I'm still riding the big wave. It's beautiful. Thank you, Gabby. That brings a lot coming from you. Oh my gosh, please. I have so many questions. I want to know all about your life. I was reading in your book and on your blog and following you on Instagram, all these over, over this year. It's like, how did you get started in the whole food world? Tell me the backstory. That goes like a bunch of years back. So I moved from Dominican. Okay, move. Stay with me. <laughs> I moved from Dominican <laughs> to Montreal to study nutrition and dietetics. My dad was a doctor and I was just like very drawn to the whole nutrition aspect aspect of it. Uh, but then soon I became a flight attendant. Soon after I graduated um, and started traveling the world. And by then I was just obsessed with the food scene in Montreal and everything that I was trying and cooking four times a day. Anyways, both of those went together, being a flight attendant and cooking. I've been combining both ever since. I also lived in Mexico City for about three years, and I took that opportunity to study pastry at Le Cordon Bleu. I did their pastry and their bread program. One of the best experiences of my life, to be honest. I was insane. And then I moved to Toronto, back to Toronto in 2013, started Instagram a few years before, just as a way of showing what I was doing in pastry school and the architecture in Mexico City. Moved to Toronto, started rediscovering the food city in Toronto as well, started the Instagram more pronounced with what I was cooking here at home. 
And here we are. I have so many follow-up questions. One, I'm upset I didn't know you when you were still living in Mexico City because I would have loved to seen it through your eyes. That would just, I mean, Mexico City is such an incredibly special place. Do you ever go back? I haven't been back since I moved just because life got too busy. But next year, as soon as we can hopefully travel more again, I need to go back. I mean, it was home for three years the food itself, the markets, the freshly corn tortillas that I will get like next to my home and the huitlacoche, the mushrooms. Don't even get me started. <laughs> just want to be back right now. So Thomas and I were just in Mexico City in November and I, well, I gained like 10 pounds in five days and I have zero. That's regrets. how you need like to do it. The food was out of this world. Amazing. I'm curious when you lived in Mexico City, what was the food scene like in terms of all the higher end dining that seems to be coming out of Mexico City now? Was that even in, in existence back then? Yeah, that was in existence. Yeah, Pujol was still there and thriving. He also had a restaurant that I used to go pretty much like once or twice a week called Eno, uh, which is more like for breakfast and lunch. Um, Maximo Bistro, yeah, the food scene was just blossoming. And what I love about it is that all these major chefs like Enrique Olvera, um, they've just gone back to these ingredients that have been in Mexico for centuries and just made it you know, more accessible to the world so that the world can see that it's not the regular Mexican food that we are, you know, that we grew up seeing. That's, that's not it. Uh, did you go to Contramar while you were there? Oh, yes. It was so special. Tuna. We went for lunch. Yeah, tuna tostada. Oh my God. The tuna tostada blew my mind. We ordered two. <laughs> we, ate, we ate the first one so fast. I'm like, we're going to need everything about that restaurant. And the chef, what's her, her name? Gabriela. Gabriela Have you seen the documentary? Yeah. I'm interviewing you now. Have you seen the documentary? No. I, <laughs> I haven't. Where? On Netflix? It is called A Tale of Two Kitchens. And it's um, about Contramar and about, I think it's called Onda, a restaurant that she has in California. So it's about those two and the culture that she's built in both of these places. It is wow. a must. I've seen it like three times. So you need to watch. Okay. I will absolutely watch that. I thought her restaurant, Contramar in Mexico City, was truly, I liked it better than Pujol. I thought it was one of the most special meals we had in the entire time we were, I, I can't, yeah. I can't. So we could have a whole podcast on we Mexico City. We can have a whole podcast about that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> For everybody listening, if you want to watch this documentary, A Tale of Two Kitchens, go check it out. I will be watching it tonight yeah. now. <laughs> um, okay, so rewind back to when you were a flight attendant. When you, like, I know many people in my, like, extended life who have worked as a flight attendant, and I think it's so interesting because you get to travel to all these incredible places and then spend a night or two before you take mm -hmm. the, the other flight mm -hmm. home, correct? So what were some of your favorite places you got to experience uh, and explore? So many. I think my all-time favorite will always be Barcelona. There's a special connection from the moment I landed there. I have family and I have friends, but just there's something about, about the food scene in Barcelona that is so, so endearing. The markets, all of them. La Boqueria is the most like well-known, but any other little markets you go and you, one of my favorite things to do is just talking to the vendors and where are they getting their products from and their spices and then bringing all of those home and creating with that. So that, that's, that's what inspires me. So now because of COVID I'm laid off. I don't think I'm going to be flying until maybe early next year, but it's a job that I, I adore. And yeah, I will be one of those 80 year old flight attendants still like 
I'm so into it. I'll meet you anywhere in the world. We can just go eat together. But it's so obvious seeing all this influence in your cooking. Like it's really, it's incredible. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, that inspires me. Like if you walk into my kitchen, the rack of spices is taking over the kitchen right now, pretty much. (laughs) I went to uh, Israel in the fall. I think I brought my weight back in Satara and Sumac and that if you haven't been, you definitely have to go. We're back with another PSA for Sonos. And let me tell you, I have learned so many things in the last week, you guys. First, if you missed it last week and you've never heard of Sonos before, it's amazing. It's the best sound system that you can have and piece together with multiple options, depending on what you need in your house. We've had it in various apartments and condos and now in our house. And we've been buying one to two pieces of Sonos a year and slowly but surely building out Thomas's like dream wired house sound system extravaganza. Recently, we just got the Sonos Move, which is basically a portable speaker and you can take it anywhere you want. You can use it to stream music, listen to your favorite podcast. Hello. Tune into the radio, hook it up to your TV. The possibilities are endless. Just pick it up, move it room to room, throw on a playlist, switch it to Bluetooth, take it to a friend's house. We've been taking it out to the pool because... I don't know if you've noticed, it's 100 billion degrees in Los Angeles right now. And I live in, I'm a fish. I live in the water and my move is right next to me. Also, if you have multiple Sono speakers, you can hook them up to different zones and then you can listen to something totally different from a different zone in your house. I think this is going to be a game changer for us because we start construction in the next few days and not everyone's going to want to listen to me singing every morning while I like shower and brush my teeth. (laughs) Head to Sonos to learn more or the offer still stands to DM Thomas and he will build you your dream sound system or tell you everything there is to know about Sonos because that man is obsessed. Okay, back to the podcast. This is normally something I ask at the end, but what's one place that's on your bucket list where you haven't been yet? I haven't been to the Amalfi Coast and I, I'm dying to go. I, I, yeah, it's one of, I don't know if it's a romantic idea or what, but I, I'm just dying to go to the Amalfi Coast and so good. eat everything lemon, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, right? Yeah, all the lemons, all the, lemons. All the olives, all the yeah. fish, all everything. that. Okay, so jumping around a little bit, when you were doing your pastry and bread program in Mexico City, what was that like? Because I feel like that must have been a very intensive program. That was, yeah, that was very challenging. Just starting with the way that I was used to bake a cup of this, a cup of that. Now it's like 250 grams of this because that's what they use. It's very, very exact. And also the teachers there, they all, like, they're all from Paris. They've been working at Le Cordon Bleu for like centuries, years, and they don't expect anything that is less than perfect. So if you have to stay for an extra hour after being on your feet for seven hours to do another tray of croissants or microwave, you have to, because it is expected to be a certain way. And at the beginning, I was like going crazy, but it just helped me so much. I think throughout my life after that, because I think I put a little bit more of me into everything because of that experience, because everything now I wanted everything to be to that standard, right? It was, like I said, one of the best experiences of my life. It, it was beautiful. Not that you have to go to culinary school to write cookbooks or anything like that, but I do think having that perfectionism drilled into you while you're in school is so helpful when you're developing recipes because 
you you know, there are thousands of people across the world that are going to purchase your new cookbook and you want them, you want that, you want to know that the recipes work. <laughs> you want them, yeah, you want them to work. Like I said, I don't have to tell you, like you sit with a recipe, you tweak it, you do it, you give it to people to like do it at their homes in their ovens. It needs to be, it needs to be perfect. So yeah, I am forever grateful. The only reason why I didn't do the full program is because I don't need meat, right? So I, yeah. I said, I'm not going to be trying duck or foie gras. And they, they don't, yeah. For them, it's like, you're a vegetarian, tough luck. You still need to try it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm going to sit right here in the pastry yeah. program and I'm exactly. going to be very happy it's with like, it. Oh, I was happy. My husband, as I said, was happy. My daughters were like, can you imagine? Like, here's this tray of like home-baked croissant. It was, it was heaven. So incredible. I remember when we were in culinary school, I would bring home food every night for Thomas. Mm -hmm. And on the next morning, he'd be so jazzed. And I'd be like, this is like, you're so spoiled right now. This is never going to happen again. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you listening, all of your recipes are very plant forward, pescatarian. There's not meat. I don't think actually at all in the cookbook, correct? Or on your site or anything? No, there's no meat at all. I've been eating this way since I was 19 years old, um, actually vegetarian for about 19 to 24. And then pregnant with my first child, I was craving seafood, um, mussels to be exact. I was watching that show Mad About You and they were going for mussels and I'm like, I need those. <laughs> so, so yeah, and I've been in that way. I eat fish about two times, three times a week. It works for me. I love it. There's so much that you can do with it. So yeah. So much. In your cookbook, there's so many different versatile ways to prepare fish and make it really accessible at home. I think fish normally scares a lot of people who aren't comfortable with it. Yeah, a lot. I think a lot has to do with how you cook it and what you put into it. One of my favorite ways is just to roast. Actually, yesterday I just roasted a couple of pieces of salmon, cumin, aleppo pepper, sumac, garlic, olive oil. It's what are you putting on that fish and how are you cooking it? Roasting it brings a lot of flavor grilling too. You don't need a barbecue. You can get a nice grill pan, sear it a bit, and and you're ready to go. It's just getting creative with the spices. And I think that's what the book is all about, to show how you can do these things and include flavors from around the world in pretty much anything you cook. So you grew up in the Dominican, correct? When you left when you were what? 19, yeah, 19. Do you go back? What kind of food do you miss? And how has that experience helped shape you, you as a cook today? It has a lot to do with the way that I see food. Um, my family on my mom's side, they come from a family of uh, farmers and people that have been around, you know, crops their entire life. So I grew up uh, with my grandfather bringing rice and beans like fresh home for, you know, my grandma to prepare it and all that. I'm grateful for the experience of, you know, growing up in Dominican uh, gave me and that is in the book in a bunch of the recipes that are there, mashed plantains, uh, sopao de camarones, which is basically very similar to risotto, a little bit soupier, started with shrimp, cilantro, tomatoes. So I wanted to make sure that a lot of those recipes that I grew up with were in the book. They're part of me. I'm super proud of being Dominican. I've been in this country in Canada for over 20 years and I'm Canadian too, but my Dominican heritage is super important to me. And I wanted that to be present. It's very obvious and it's beautiful. Like those recipes are not things that you see every day on other people's sites or books. So it's really special, I think, to your book and it makes it even better. Thank you, Gabby. I I I wanted it to be there. My country is beautiful. 
I know. I'm dying to go there also. Yeah, so many places I to go. I can't wait till we can travel. Like, I honestly, like, I just put me on a plane. I'm ready to go somewhere. Somebody that, <laughs> um, somebody on TV today asked me, like, what do you miss the most about travel? And I'm like, everything. <laughs> I miss everything yeah. about travel right now. Even the actual, like, being on a plane and the jet lag. Yeah. Give it to me. I don't care. <laughs> All day long, I'll take the jet lag. I want that cocktail on my in my seat. I want to get off the plane a little delusional. Yeah, I want to do no an tonic in Barcelona, in La Barceloneta, across from the beach. Oh, magical, soon. magical. Hopefully so, right? And your two daughters, are they picky eaters? They are not picky eaters. I'm very proud of that. I think everybody who has children will want to know how that happened because there's so many questions. Yeah, I believe that you have to, you know, it's it's good for them to try things once. I'm not going to force, you know, I never force them to eat anything, but at least try it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But don't tell me that you don't like it if you haven't eaten it. So, yeah, so that's that's how I, I raise them. They eat meat. Um, they eat everything and they cook as well here at home. Isabella's like on the Bon Appetit side pretty much every day, seeing what she's going to cook, browsing cookbooks. Yeah, yeah, they both love to eat. Who needs Bon App when you've got mom? Exactly, true. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves it, she loves it. Yeah. That's incredible. And do they cook with you? Like, do do they enjoy being, doing the whole experience together? So special. Yeah, they cook. Yeah, they cook with me. So let's now living with roommates closer to where her university is. Uh, but when she comes home, we plan all the meals that we're going to cook. Now, when we were like in lockdown, lockdown, I have over 600 cookbooks, right? I started collecting back when I was in Montreal. It is I wish oh I could God. show you. Well, there's some over here, but I wish I could show you my home. It's there everywhere. Um, so we were going through all of these cookbooks that I hadn't really, you know, cooked much from. And we we're saying, okay, the menu for the week is this. We're cooking from here. We're cooking from here. And it was, it was super, a super great way to stay, you know, inspiring the kitchen during quarantine and trying different recipes from, you know, different cookbooks. Gosh, that's so brilliant. I think that's so important. And you get to like travel a little bit via your kitchen without ever having to leave your home and still stay safe. Exactly, pretty much. So I want to talk about Toronto, but before we get to Toronto, I want to hear how the whole cookbook process came to be for you because I feel like it's very different for lots of people. It is very different. So it all took, uh, my editor gave me about two, two and a half years just because she know that I wasn't just staying home, that I was also flying. Um, I decided that I wanted to do the photography on my own and the styling as well, because A, I don't have Matt Armendariz here. (laughs) 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 He's amazing. And B, no, I I do enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy photography a lot and I'm self-taught. So I wanted my photography and my styling to be there. Uh, What I found really, really challenging because I was flying was coming from a layover very jet lag and the next day I had a bunch of recipes to try and test and photograph and take my mat with me on the aircraft and when I had my time off I was working on the manuscript so it was labor it was labor but I am so so proud that I did it like that. I am, I am very proud. That's incredible. And, and truly an astronomical amount of work that I don't think people can comprehend. No, exactly. My daughters and I were talking about this. They said, you know, people think someone wrote a book and it, they, a lot of people don't know really what goes into it and all the edits and all of these things. Right. 
But yeah, it's it's out now and I just can't believe how well it's been received and it makes me really proud. It's so exciting. So are you looking forward to doing another or are you like, give me a year and a half to recuperate and then we'll do it? Give me the two years and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would love, I would love to do a second, a second for sure. But yeah, I need at least a year and a half to recuperate. But yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. I wanted it to reflect um, more of the traditions that we have at home too, if that comes to be. I believe that food and traditions go hand in hand. Um, one of our favorite ones is Sunday waffles, usually on Sunday, since the girls were like three years old, every Sunday we've been making waffles. Things like that. I just, food unites us. You know, like for me, the best way, let's say, to get to know to a, a city or a culture is just, for me, it's always been through food going to a market. We would travel so well we together. Do. You know, you know when you know. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we'll bring we'll invite Matt too. We can all oh go God. like pick a pick a location and go somewhere. So you you <laughs> you say it kiddily, but I'm like I'm not joking. I would love that. I would happily go somewhere. Matt, we just have to get Matt to leave his Zumba classes for more than like 10 <laughs> I saw 10 a friend minutes. who took it. I remember my friend, um, uh, her handle is yoga of cooking. She's amazing. She took one and she sent me a picture and she was sweating. Intensely. Yeah, it's an intense workout. Matt is not, he is not joking around. I don't even do it that often because it's like so. Holy. <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> okay, so how long have you been in Toronto? I've been in Toronto since 2000. Yeah, we left Montreal. Yeah, Christmas of 2000. Between growing up in the Dominican, living in Montreal, going to school in Mexico City, and now living in Toronto, you have picked four areas that are like food meccas like I you are you are not joking around <laughs> they are I think for me one of the most important cities I mean it was a catalyst when it comes to like my food you know development was Montreal Montreal is super multicultural I will go for Italian one day Japanese the second um, Lebanese amazing Lebanese food in Montreal incredible so yeah I feel very very fortunate in Toronto I don't think I'll ever leave this city I love living here so you've been here. Yeah, once briefly. And I, yeah. I was supposed to come back this summer. The food scene in Toronto is it's insane. insane. Like in the 48 hours I was there, I did 10 meals because I was like, I, I have to eat everything. I think I remember. <laughs> I remember reading that in your blog post. Yeah, I think you did a guide, right? Or something. Yeah, yeah, I yes. And I, I ate everything. And I went to Le Gourmand twice, twice because those Cookie. cookies are They're legendary. So good. They're, They're legendary. legendary. They're amazing. Yeah, no, we're, we're really fortunate here in Toronto. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to go to Kensington Market. Uh, I walked through it. Kensington Market is one of my favorite spots. Everything that you can find, cotija cheese, things that if you're in California, cotija cheese you can find, I'm pretty sure, in a lot of places. In Here in Canada, it's not the norm. So that's where I go to find all the obscure things that I go and find a regular grocery store. Kensington they have all the street art on the walls yeah. and all the murals yeah. and everything. It's a very colorful area. I, I walked through it early one morning before all the stalls were like set up and selling and everything. So I got like a little mini taste of it, but you'll be my guide next time I come and we'll do it all. Yeah. Next time I'll take you through Kensington. San Lawrence Market is good too. But yeah, amazing restaurants. Did you get to go to Bar Raval? Had some incredible hummus somewhere like off the beach. I mean, I I did it all. I went, I had that crazy ice cream with like the weird bubble looking cone. Oh yeah. That was at Bang Bang on Austin Street. Yeah. Yeah. Did they no, close? They're still open. Are they st- okay. 
Okay, yeah, I did. I did a lot over in that area. There was like a four. Yeah, I did. I like, and I was by myself. Like, I didn't have anyone to share the food with because I was there for such a short amount of time. And I, I didn't know you back then. And I was, I just ate everything. I gained a lot of weight. And you were gonna come back this summer. Talk to me about, were you going to do a book tour? Like, were you planning on doing one pre-COVID? Well, that was in the talk. So I have to go back to my editor and see what's going to happen. I do see that a lot of people are now doing virtual book tours. Maybe that will be a possibility. If that's the case, I will be keeping you posted. But honestly, I would rather even wait. I want to I wanna see people and connect with people. Yeah, it's so special. I think, and you're so personable. I feel like people just need to see you in real Thank life and be able you. to give you a hug. I would love, yeah, I want hugs, <laughs> I, yeah. Oh my God, that's like the one thing I really miss that I forgot, like pre-COVID, I think we all just took hugs for granted. For granted, so, so many things for granted, to be honest. So many, even yeah. well, even just like eating out and feeling like everything was okay. I still find, I was talking to a friend in London today, and we we're talking about the food industry and the restaurants, you know, where we live. And I, I still find that if we can safely do so, we have to support, you know, our restaurants if we can safely do so. Like, patios that are like properly set up and things like that. Um, it's very important. Trying to order in from two like small locally mm-hmm. owned restaurants a week. So I'll cook like four or five nights and we'll order in two nights. Patio seating and all that is still hap- is what's happening up in Canada and Toronto. Patio seating. So we, we started stage three a couple of weeks ago. Um, so patio seating was a little bit before stage three. And now there's even indoor seating as well, which people are still getting used to. But yeah, all the restaurants are open, working, you know, at 50% capacity. So I, I worried a lot that a lot of them might not survive by the fall, right? Because we don't have the good weather all year round. So I'm trying to get out there and just, just enjoy them. Do we all got to eat our eat the food and we do our part? To, we have to. <laughs> that's, that's the part I want to be doing. The eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let me gain a couple. Of, like, I've already gained the COVID oh. 10. Let me just pack on a few I, more. I and if two. it saves a few restaurants, it's fine. The it's all worth it in the end. <laughs> but yeah, as far as cases go, like, we've been doing pretty good. I think I read today that we had in our province of Ontario, I think, uh, less than 100 or something like that. For me. So, wow. Hopefully, hopefully, because I do want to get back flying. And right now, if you yeah. come back, you have to quarantine yourself for two weeks. So that means that a lot of people don't have that time to come and quarantine themselves. Oh my gosh. Okay. So a couple, I want to like get into some fun rapid fire questions. Besides writing your cookbook, what is your favorite part of your job? Blogger part of the job or the flight attendant part of the job? Both. One of each. Or the blogger part. Of the food. I love photography. I, it makes me happy. The moment that I create a recipe, that's very exciting too. But for me to style and take the photo of that recipe, it's just a huge love of mine. And for flying, discovering a new city. Every time I get to visit a new city that I haven't been to and create a list of all the places that I know that I want to go before. This is a hard question and I hate it when people ask me, but sorry. <laughs> what, is, what is your most favorite thing to eat? That's not hard, actually, but it's a Dominican. Yeah, it's a Dominican thing. I don't know if it will be my most favorite thing to eat. No, this is the, what I will eat before, like my last meal. So let's leave that for another one. Avocados. I can eat that every day, seven times a day. Give it to me. I love it. So yeah. good. The best. What's your least favorite thing to eat? Okra. 
maybe oh, because okay. when I've had it, it's very slimy. I hear that people say, yeah. oh, no, there are ways of cooking it that is not slimy. I don't care. I don't like it. <laughs> I've never made okra myself. I've had it at restaurants, but I've never attempted to make it it's myself. Not my thing. Sorry, okra lovers. Let's say you have 30 minutes during the week and you got to get dinner on the table. What's your go-to weeknight meal? My go-to would be roasted potatoes with a little bit of cumin and Aleppo pepper and um, salmon that is actually in the book that has a maple soy marinade with a green salad. That is for real. That's a meal that we have every week here at home. Not a not a rapid fire question, but you've mentioned cumin and Aleppo pepper combined together twice now. Where is that from? Like, is that a Dominican combo? It is not a Dominican combo. It's my own, it's my own that I make. I just I love, love those it. spices. Cumin is used a lot in Dominican, uh, for sure. But I had a lot of Aleppo pepper when I was in Tel Aviv uh, in the fall. And I brought so much and I've used it in so many things. And it, it just works wonders. I used it on fish yesterday as well, too. So, yeah, together, they're delicious. Yeah, I feel like it's just starting to have a moment here in America. And it it's going to blow people's minds. If you make hummus, you know how you put a little bit of sumac on top? Try it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. At a restaurant, when, you know, we go to restaurants again full time, would you rather have another savory dish at the end of the meal or would you have, are you a dessert person? I am a dessert person. And it's like my little pastry background. But yeah, I am. I have to have something. Even if we, usually we share. If I go with my family, we'll order like two things and share. But I need a little bit of sweet. Yeah. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Do you make your own ice cream? I've made my own ice cream. Not all the time in the summer. I like, I, I don't know if you know this book by David Leibowitz, that he has a chocolate one. Yeah, yeah of course. The recipes there are amazing. And his chocolate one is really, really good. His ice cream is top notch. Yeah, so that's the book I use for my ice creams when I make them at home. Okay, so we know you're one of your favorite foods in the whole wide world is avocado. What's your favorite way to eat avocado? On a tostada a Mexican tostada with a lot of uh, chili and lime. The only thing missing, yeah, the only thing missing will be the tuna from Contramar. I just want to go back together. It's so special. You're going to watch that documentary tonight. I am. I'm going to watch it tonight. A Tale of Two Kitchens. I'll watch it tonight and I'm going to DM you as soon as I'm done. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. What else? What did we forget? Anything else? I don't know. I don't know. We've talked about the book, about flying. I'm, I'm just excited with it all. You know, I am proud of that book being out there, being well received. Uh, hopefully I'll go to California and cook in your new kitchen. That would be fun cooking together. You have an open invitation anytime you make it down here and I will do the same in Toronto. <laughs> Come over. We'll eat our way around Toronto. Oh my God. I can't even wait. Okay. So for everyone listening, tell them where they can find you. My blog, dialaskitchen.com, on Instagram at dialaskitchen and on Twitter at dialaskitchen. I don't know why you would ever follow any of us if you don't like food, but just know that you're always going to be hungry because your food looks incredible. Thank you. 365 days a Gabby. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It was so, so nice, nice to hang to out. Chat. Now all we have to do is cook. I know. In real life. In real life. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Talk to you soon. Bye.
All right, guys, that's a wrap. If you need another cookbook in your kitchen, which let's be honest, we all do, check out our cookbook. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can go purchase it on Amazon or support your local bookstore, either one. I think that's very important these days to support local. She's a gem. Go follow her on Instagram. Check her out. You will not be disappointed. And if you are plant forward and pescatarian leaning, you're going to love her recipes. I won't see you next week. Next week is a holiday, but I will see you the following week and we'll go from there. Love you. All right, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatscobbycooking.com. See you guys very soon.